second down, 30, going deep. And he's got his receiver, Adams! Slicing in for the touchdown. Pulse of the Pack Podcast. Play in big running room. of the Pack Podcast. Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your game tickets from the longtime trusted source in Wisconsin, Ticket King. Visit their locations in Milwaukee and Green Bay or just go to their website, theticketking.com. Again, that's theticketking.com. March is here. March Madness. College basketball tournament. Baseball season, Houston Astros banging on a trash can. Oh, and the NFL free agency starts this month as well, and that is what we are here to talk about because, Jason, what are you shaking your head at me for? We have started, folks. (laughs) We have started, I think, Paul, you can verify this. You've been here, I think, at least the last three shows with some reference to some team that shall not be mentioned, that I will not mention, for they are cheaters. Baseball true? team. I think so. This is the third one in a row. Oh. Well, well, roll. Listen, scum is scum, and I just want to be able to point that out as much as I can. So, <laughs> anyways, it is free agency month, and that is something else that we are here to talk about today because the NFL Combine has just wrapped up. All the workouts are in the books, but something else that comes out of the Combine is it's the unofficial legal tampering period. Uh, of the NFL because as we know there are deals everybody asks you know free agency opens on March 18th at 3 o'clock p.m. how are deals signed at 301 well this is how because they kind of start talking about them now Um, and there are some rumblings that have come out uh, for the Packers so we are here to bring those things to you I'm your host this evening I am Jacob Westendorf and I am excited that the combine is i like the combine but it's kind of like my first official okay we made it through that portion of the off season and now we're just one step closer to the draft uh, and i am joined by jason perone and jason i don't have any old guy jokes i made one earlier so i'll leave that be so how are you nope i'm doing well yeah i guess i guess if we're gonna the only thing i can say is i'm in phoenix right now and it's warm enough to walk outside in shorts and a t-shirt so i can't complain things are pretty good shut up it's warm enough like that all the time it's 55 degrees today in rockford i also wore shorts and a t-shirt yeah. out and about today i also have so the uh rawhide bart star shirts that they wore to the home opener this year you guys know which one i'm talking about with the black circle and his name on it mm-hmm. yeah i've worn i've bought that shirt i've worn it twice since i bought it and my daughter has puked on it both times. So I'm not quite sure what that, and I'm not talking like little spit ups. I'm talking full fledged pukes. So I'm not quite sure what that means, but maybe you can tell me, Paul, since you were telling me uh, you had beans earlier. So how's the stomach feeling? Are you, are you relaxed? I'm always relaxed, but thank you for asking. I appreciate that. My condolences to your wife for what is about to happen. And she's uh, with child and we are officially in the month that your baby girl is due. So your wife can smell everything. So Again, my apologies, but uh, yeah, we're due here. How many days are we at now? 26. 26. So it'll be more like 29 if your experience was anything like mine. We're probably looking at an April Fool's baby if I had to wager some jelly beans on that one. So at any rate, guys, speaking of jelly beans, the Packers are going to have to spend some if they want to find their 
fixes, if you will, at some of the positions that they have of need. The first bit of news I want to get into is internally. Uh, there were a lot of reports this weekend. Rob Domovsky, uh, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Cheesehead TV, a lot of different uh, sources, and I'll kind of I'll try and accredit those as we get through these things. Uh, the first one that I want to get to came from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, which stated that the Packers and Aaron Jones have, quote, mutual interest in a contract extension. Uh, I've written a story for Packer Report about it, and listen, I love Aaron Jones. I think he's a great player. Um, he was the Packers' best offensive player this last season. He's also a running back, and that is the most replaceable position on the roster. It's the least valuable position on the roster. I'm sorry, that's just true. Uh, in the story at Packer Report, you can kind of see how I break it down a little bit. Uh, in the last couple of years, there's been a few running backs to sign some pretty big extensions. Todd Gurley, David Johnson, uh, Devontae Freeman. And what those guys have in common is all three of their teams are looking to move on from them in some shape or form. So that makes things difficult when you start looking at an extension for Aaron Jones. And I really think you're going to start hearing about some rumblings out of Dallas next season about Zeke Elliott because there were already some whispers this year that maybe he's not the same player after he got that contract. So I say all that to say Aaron Jones is younger uh, than some of those guys are. But that being said, he's still a running back. Uh, the salary cap situation, I'm assuming, remains relatively normal because there have been some discussions that this cap very well may double and be close to like $240 million in 2021 and then end up inching its way toward about $400 million, which is insane. But right now, you can't assume those things. You have to assume that you're in the relative similar budget constraints that you're going to be under moving forward. And with that in mind, Devontae Freeman's contract was four years and $24 million. It's about $6 million a year. And I would think that contract has to come in under that. And for me to feel comfortable with them giving him an extension – and I know that's going to come as, I guess, controversy to some people just because Jones is as good as he is and people will call him a must sign. But I I just look back to, I imagine in 2014, you guys were having the same conversations about Eddie Lacy. And Eddie ended up not, he played out his rookie contract and didn't get a second contract. He got one more year in Seattle and now he's out of the NFL. Um Things change very quickly, and that's especially true for running backs. That's why I've criticized the Zeke Elliott pick since the day it was made. I don't care how much better he made the Cowboys. Uh, well, theoretically, how much better he made the Cowboys immediately. That's a separate argument. Uh, I just I don't ascribe to that theory. I definitely ascribe to the theory of running backs are replaceable. And if you don't believe me, look no further than the Super Bowl. Raheem Mostert and Damian Williams were the primary runners in that game, and both players were undrafted free agents. There you have it. I just think that it's a it's a replaceable spot. So, Jason, I'll start with you here. Were you surprised to hear that Green Bay has an interest in extending Aaron Jones? I was surprised. They drafted him in the middle rounds. They did what a lot of teams are doing. They're taking that approach of these are replaceable athletes, and if you draft one in the first round, you know, they're going to get a five-year deal and – so as in terms of drafting one and too soon and paying too much money, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how they would get Aaron Jones done based on what I think he's going to probably try to get. And I'd have to think that one out of the other 31 teams would be willing to give him the bag. Yeah, and I agree with the you. New York Jets. 
Well, I agree with you, Jake. I just don't, you know, I love Aaron Jones. And I, I think the Packers are smart to have a conversation with him. But I think you go old school here. I know that uh, Ted Thompson and I think Goot still and Russ Ball still to this day do the situ- do the thing where they set a number, they draw the line in the sand, and they walk away. And if it doesn't work, doesn't work. If it does, welcome back. But I think that the only way they're going to get it done is if they extend Jones now and add it to his current deal. But they the Packers don't have a ton of of cap space to work with this year for that type of thing when you consider some of the other things that they have to do. Uh, but again, you know, cap changes and any of that kind of stuff, you know, like you mentioned, then that could that could completely change the story here. But don't forget, and I think I mentioned it before, Aaron Jones has also had some injury issues uh, the past three seasons. He's, he's played through it, and he, he played um, through in 2019, but he's had some issues there. So you got to be careful because it's, like you said, it's a very replaceable position. It seems like every year there's guys that they can go after and get. So I, it was surprising to me, but I trust the Packers to make a smart decision in terms of the dollars. Well, and one thing that I also pointed out in my story was that Aaron Jones is kind of the example for why you don't pay Aaron Jones, which is kind of ironic in a way, just because coming into that year, for those of you that don't remember, Ty Montgomery was the Packers starting running back at that time. And to quote unquote fix the running back position, a lot of people just assumed that they would re-sign Eddie Lacy to a team-friendly deal. That didn't happen. He went to Seattle. And once that happened, the Packers were scrambling is not the right word, but they were looking at some different options. So that year they drafted Jamal Williams in the fourth round, Aaron Jones in the fifth round, and Devontae Mays in the seventh round. Essentially threw three darts and hoped one of them stuck. Well, they did well. Aaron Jones is very good, and Jamal Williams has been a serviceable player for them as well. But for those of you that remember, Aaron Jones was the third stringer coming into that year. Uh, Ty Montgomery was the starter. He broke his ribs against Chicago. He got hurt. Jamal Williams got hurt in that game as well. And after that, Jones entered the game, and then he kind of took the starter's role until he got hurt himself. So that part is kind of interesting. Paul, Jason alluded to the injuries here. And with running backs, it really can be just as simple as one injury, and they are never the same. Is there a number? I kind of mentioned Devontae Freeman's contract earlier, but is there a number that you're thinking, again, assuming normal cap uh, inflation and all that stuff, that you would be comfortable with for a Jones caliber extension? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with kind of that $8 million age just kind of being my ceiling as well. And I mean, if that's the number that the Packers are looking at or in that ballpark, it makes sense why they, they are interested in extension talks because after the season he had, if he goes on and has similar production in 2020, I mean, he's going to hit that free agent market and who knows, 13, 14, $15 million a year uh, could be what he's looking at. But I'm in the same boat as you guys. You know, the running back position as a whole, we've seen that we can get good production. Like you mentioned, Aaron Jones, uh, Philip Lindsley for Denver. I think during his rookie year, he got a uh, um, rookie of the year votes. He was a pro bowler as an undrafted free agent or undrafted rookie. Uh, I, mean, I mean, guys like Alvin Kamara was a third or fourth rounder. There's just examples across the league. And then we look at the four highest paid running backs last season. Their teams missed the playoffs. And I also went back and looked this up because I did a, Similar piece on this where I gave my thoughts over at Cheesehead TV. In the last six Super Bowl champions, the running back that has played the highest percentage of snaps on each of those winners 
the highest cap hit was James White in 2017 at $3 million. So I say that to say, if you have a high-paid running back, does it mean that you can't win the Super Bowl? No, of course you still can. Um, but we've also seen that you can still win it without that. And so I think that's the difficult situation that the Packers are going to be in, and especially looking at how the offense went through Jones last year. Um, you know, if this hopefully we see the another receiver, at least two added to the mix this year to get the passing game back into form. But if we go through the 2020 season, say the extension doesn't happen and the offense still goes through him, it's, I mean, he's going to, it's going to be difficult for them to turn that down, but I still think it's, you know, like we've talked about, you can get running backs elsewhere at cheaper prices. Yeah. And I wonder if that's something that they'll eventually come to. Uh, Maybe there's things that they know that we don't, but as of right now, it looks like that's at least a conversation that's being had. The other conversation internally appears to be that Blake Martinez is looking at about $10 million a year average annual value for his next contract. Guys, we watched his press conference and media availability after the NFC Championship game, and you could see him getting emotional, and everything was kind of in the past tense. You could essentially tell, I think, that he knew the writing was on the wall. Brian Gutekunst has been noncommittal to put it lightly whenever asked about his linebacker position and the room that's quote evolving, but he's never given an endorsement to Martinez. So I'm going to safely assume that both of you think letting him walk is the right move, especially if that's the case is that okay. Jason's nodding and Paul is also nodding. So assuming that guys, how worried are you right now? And before we get into the free agent side of things, how worried are you right now on a scale of one to 10? Paul, I'll start with you about the linebacker position, knowing that Blake Martinez is probably not going to be in it. And let's just say they whiff on free agency completely. Then you're looking at starting linebackers as of right this moment of Oren Burks, Ty Summers and Curtis Bolton. Uh, yeah, I think that's, you know, fairly worrisome, probably a seven or eight. Um, you know, I'm not going to go full 10 like I would with, say, tackle, just because of the importance of the, you know, a tackle versus an inside linebacker. But I think it's a real possibility that they don't land, you know, some of these guys in free agency, given the costs that they're looking at. You know, Schobert and Littleton are all, you know, they're going to easily be a, probably over the $10 million to $12 million range. Um, and then in the draft, you know, if you're crossing your fingers, hoping that Kenneth Murray or Patrick Queen or any of those guys are available to you, you know, you're running a little bit of a risk there. So I think at the moment, um, I think it's fairly worrisome with where they're at. You know, Burks has been injured, and when he's been on the field, he just hasn't produced. He gets washed up in blocks pretty easily. Um, and then Ty Summers, you know, he was a special teamers last year. Obviously, you hope he make, takes a step forward, but you don't want to rely on him. It's kind of like the conversation we had last week with the receiver position. You know, with day three draft picks, you don't want to be relying on them to play significant snaps. However, if they end up producing for you, it's wonderful. But I think it's a fairly high concern at this point. Jason, what about you? I mean, I know you're a little uh, less cynical, if you will, about the linebacker position than maybe I am. Uh, But, I mean, what's your worry level if, like I said, if Green Bay swings and misses and goes into the draft with Oren Burks, Ty Summers, and Curtis Bolton as the only backers on the roster? Yeah, I'd be – I'm with Paul. I put it like a seven right now, but that's also in relative terms based on 
the other things that they might need to do in free agency in addition to or instead of linebacker. So right now, the right tackle position is up in the air. If they had Brian Bulaga figured out and he was coming back, I might be a little bit more concerned about it because then linebackers this more glaring hole that could blow up on them. I mean, I, I wouldn't like the current room that they have for sure. And there's no guarantee that you're going to get the guy that you want in the draft. And if you're going to, you know, I mean, they, they met with two of the top names in Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murray, which was great to hear if you're a Packers fan, because it shows that they, at least from an optic standpoint, care about the position and they're talking to guys that can make an impact. But it's, there's a lot of question marks there. So, yeah, and I, I think the big issue is, is going to be the price. And, and some of these guys are going to get priced out because they've, they've been mentioned. Like Corey Littleton, I could see him getting way overpaid, you know, and, and for what an inside linebacker is asked to do and, and what they're asked to do in Green Bay's defense because, you know, we're going to have Mike Pettin back again. You've got you to put a price tag on it. So it's, it's, it's just, you know, it's worrisome because it's a flux type of, situation the Packers aren't in a situation to go throw a ton of money at, at a guy nor should they one thing I think you can feel comfortable about if you do feel uncomfortable currently and I do as well even as somebody that doesn't necessarily value that position all that much whenever Brian Gutekunst has identified a weakness he's thrown resources at it last offseason for example he identified offensive guard signed Billy Turner drafted Elton Jenkins identified edge rusher uh, drafted Rashawn Gary and signed the Super Smith brothers. Identified safety, drafted Adrian Amos, or excuse me, drafted Darnell Savage, signed Adrian Amos. So you're going to see resources because he has talked about this position a lot, and the other position being wide receiver, but he has talked about linebacker. I still don't think that Green Bay is going to pick a line, even if one of Patrick Queen or Kenneth Murray is available at the 30th overall selection. I don't think green Bay will take one of those guys. Uh, just because I think that one, they'll probably have a receiver rated higher on their board at that point in time. Uh, they may have some offensive linemen or defensive linemen rated higher as well. And two, they just, they don't, they haven't valued that position in the 15 years that I've been paying attention to this team since Ted Thompson took over. And Brian Gutekunst, of course, a disciple of Ted Thompson. So, I know that he's done things a little differently. Uh, Oren Burks was a trade-up candidate, or not a candidate, a player they traded up for in the third round. So that is a little different. But in general, I still think that's an outlier. So I will be surprised if that's the case. Uh, but, yeah, Blake Martinez is not going to be back. That is the correct position. I am concerned. I'll say I'm at a six. And that really is just because I don't know what any of those guys bring to the table. And that is really my only concern. But, I mean, the guys like Luke Keekley and Bobby Wagner and some of these dudes, they're so rare. And the Kansas City Chiefs just won the Super Bowl with a UPS driver and a car salesman playing linebacker. And I think I stole that joke from Ross Uglum. So my apologies to Ross if that is the case. But nonetheless, those guys were rejects from the Dallas Cowboys. So that's just a possibility. That being said... As I say, the Packers don't value the position. There were reports over the weekend, and there's three linebackers that they've been linked to already in terms of free agency. And like I mentioned, the combine is where you start to hear some of these rumors coming out. It's where the Tom Brady discussion has begun a little bit. 
Uh, Jack Conklin reportedly is going to sign with the Jets, and then they kind of retracted that report, and now they're kind of back on that report. So that'll be interesting to see. But the three linebackers they've been connected to, Nick Kwiatkowski of the Chicago Bears, uh, he was not a preferred starter of theirs. Uh, he was behind Danny Trevathan, uh, Packers' friend Danny Trevathan, and Roquan Smith. Jason is raising his middle finger beneath the camera right now, and I know that. Uh, Roquan Smith being the other. Kwiatkowski came in. He did play and start against the Packers this year at Lambeau Field. Uh, almost had an interception. Actually should have had an interception of Aaron Rodgers on a pass intended for Jimmy Graham. But he was involved, or excuse me, he was named. Um, and that was a report from Cheesehead TV. You've got a report from Packers News that the Packers are looking in on Joe Schobert, a former Wisconsin Badger and a inside linebacker of the Cleveland Browns. He's been one of their leading tacklers the last couple of years with a price tag looking to be a little around $10 million or above. And then you've got Corey Littleton, the report from Sports Illustrated by Bill Huber, saying that he is the Packers' number one priority of the linebackers. Now, what that means, that's a fluid discussion. That could very much mean that they say, okay, Corey, we're willing to offer you $9 million average annual value and draw their line in the sand there. It could mean they do what they did with Zedarius Smith, which is basically whatever it took. Uh, for those that say, Jason Perrone, that the Packers never win a bidding war, they did win one with Zadarius just last year. So that's something they could do. What all that means is up in the air, but what it does make for is a good discussion. So, Jason, I will start with you. When you hear that Corey Littleton is the Packers' number one free agent priority in terms of the linebacker position, what does that say to you? Well, it says that either somebody is putting on a massive smokescreen and trying to throw everybody off, or it says the Packers mean business. Like you said, Jake, uh, Goot's pattern is when he wants to fix an issue, he throws resources at it. Well, Corey Littleton, it doesn't get any, I guess it doesn't get any better. If you want to talk about the, the pool of candidates that are free agents that fit the position this particular year, I mean, he's not the best, but you're looking at that pool of, of candidates he's one of the top names so I like it but it, with me the consistent thing you'll always hear me talk about with players and signing them and getting after them is value so I'm not sure I'm not sure that getting into a bidding war for a player like that at that position I you know I've been very vocal about liking the linebacker prospects in the draft but that's a different situation because assuming you can get one it's still a manageable contract for several years. So it's something you can evaluate and decide if that player is going to work out. And then you still have the position covered with a more upgraded talent at a manageable price that I would not suggest throwing a huge amount of money at, you know, I kind of go cliche when it comes to who do you throw your money at quarterbacks, tackles, offensive tackles, pass rushers, cornerbacks, and they go from there. So it's just they need to be smart about it. And I just – I don't – I'll be surprised if Littleton works out just simply because I think there's going to be too much demand for him. But I like I like the aggressiveness that they at least were hearing that the Packers are taking to try to plug this hole. Paul, you're a Badgers guy. Well, that sounds negative the way that I'm saying it. But, <laughs> um, Joe Schobert is somebody that – uh, has made a successful transition kind of from the edge spot to the off-ball linebacker position. He's had some nice years in Cleveland. He's asking His asking price is around $10 million annually. 
Um, some people have said that the difference between him and Clay Matthews or Clay Matthews. Wow. Blake Martinez isn't all that much. Um, how much of that do you buy into? And is, is this a guy that green Bay, would they be upgrading say like, say both guys were equal pricing. If they're both going to make 10 million annually, are the Packers getting an upgrade if they sign Schobert instead of Martinez? I think they would, but it would be very marginal. And in the end, I don't know that 10 or $11 million would be worth it for Joe Schobert, given the, the difference. Um, you know, he's, you could argue that Blake Martinez is better overall tackler, uh, but Schobert's made more impactful plays in his career. He has more interceptions, forced fumbles, uh, pass deflections. Uh, Martinez has an extra sack, one more sack than he does. But Schobert's made more plays that way. Um, he also had a, you know, take it for what it's worth, pro football focus. They had him at his, as their second best coverage linebacker in 2018. Now he did regress a bit this past season. However, still overall better than Blake Martinez in their eyes. So I think that with the playmaking, and I do think he has a little bit more uh, coverage ability. But like I said, the difference overall is marginal. And that marginal upgrade for 10 or $11 million a year, uh, that's just not going to be worth it to me. And that's kind of the issue that I've run into is I, you know, I was joking with somebody earlier that I call this the shiny new toys era or the, you know, the shiny new toy season where this guy played for somebody else. So he's got to be better than what the Packers already have on their roster. You know, it doesn't really matter if he's better, just get me somebody new kind of thing. And I think I'm, I'm with you there, Paul, the upgrade from Schobert to Martinez is marginal. The upgrade from Littleton to Martinez is a little more dramatic than that. And Kwiatkowski, I frankly, I don't know a whole hell of a lot about him. And I think the people pretending that they do are lying to you. And I don't mean that to be disrespectful to them. I'm just saying he hasn't played a whole hell of a lot and asking him to be a, a fill in starter and transitioning him to a full-time green dot helmet. He would be the guy that would be manning the defense. Granted, I understand that worked with Zadarius Smith. Zadarius was a part-time player in Baltimore. He became a full-time starter in Green Bay, and he was one of the best defensive players in football last season. So it does work. You have to trust your scouting staff on those things. But ultimately what I'm getting at, the 10, 11, 12, 13 to $15 million that it's going to take to sign some of these guys, I'm not with it. Um, I think with Kwiatkowski, I would be willing to go about $5 million and for Schobert and Littleton, maybe slightly above that, seven, eight-ish if you want to get in there. But I would be drawing a line there. And if I don't get them, so be it. I'll figure out something in the draft. I'll figure out something else. Paul, you just kind of gave me a tip there on how the Wisconsin game is going. So that's awesome. Uh, real fucking professional we got going on over here. So <laughs> that's where we're at. So Brevin Pritzel for three, for those of you that are watching here. Wisconsin has a chance to be uh, one game out of first in the Big Ten. Anyways. The point I was making, the linebacker position to me just, and I know this frustrates Packers fans because for years we've been asking, oh, how long has it been since the Packers have had a good linebacker? Well, in 2010, they had Desmond Bishop and A.J. Hawk, and you know what they did? They won the Super Bowl that year. It's, it's just not that important. And I know that we just watched the Packers get decimated in the NFC Championship game against a team that matched up with all their weaknesses really well 
and on the other side of the ball had some fast, rangy linebackers. You know what those fast, rangy linebackers did? They lost in the Super Bowl, and they got torched by Patrick Mahomes. Now, granted, Packers don't have Patrick Mahomes, but this idea that Green Bay just needs that that force in the middle of their defense, I, I, I just don't buy it. Um, I think they could get by. If they take Murray or Queen early, you know, obviously, and I do think the Packers are going to do something at that position. They're not going to go into Curtis Bolton, Ty Summers, Oren Burks. But I don't know if it's necessary that they spend, you know, a ton of money on an off-ball linebacker for a position that just, quite frankly, is not that important. Um, And that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. The other free agent they were connected to on the offensive side of the ball, first of all, actually, before I get to that connection, the one that was, it's been a popular name. The Packers have never officially been connected with him, but it was Robbie Anderson, the Jets free agent wide receiver. Speed throughout the Packers were connected to him at the deadline, weren't able to get a deal done. His asking price, according to reports, is going to be about $15 million per season. Um that is number one wide receiver money for somebody to me that is not a number one wide receiver. Um, granted, Robbie Anderson would be an awesome addition to this Packers team. There's no question about that. But if I'm paying $15 million, I want Devontae Adams. And I'm not getting Devontae Adams out of Robbie Anderson. Uh, there's been some inconsistencies. Again, shiny new toys. Is he better than the dudes Green Bay has? Absolutely, 100%. Uh, other than Adams, obviously. But that doesn't mean this isn't Madden where you just throw a bunch of money and turn the salary cap off like it doesn't matter. Because be honest, guys, when you're playing Madden, you turn the cap off. Let's be honest. You do. Because I don't want to manage it either. I don't want to think that much. Why would I? It's a video game. Anyways, to me, that's too rich for my blood. Is anybody willing to pay that? Is there a number with him that you necessarily want to draw in San Jason? I'll start with you. I mean, it's not going to work. It's it's just not going to work. He's going to be a 10-plus guy, and I don't want to spend 10-plus on that. I think the Packers can find a veteran that can come in and help out this group for less than that. I just – they have the money. I just don't know that they, they need to use it on that. So, I, I don't I don't know. I mean, for me, it's it's almost going to be – insulting based on what he's asking for. I mean, I can't see somebody coming in under 10 and for me, it would have to be under 10 for me to be comfortable with it. So, you know, I get cheap when it comes to receivers and clearly, you know, would be the worst GM to try to go out and sign a guy because I don't, I don't go off of what market value is. So yeah, Robbie Anderson is just, I mean, he's a good receiver. I'm with you. He's a good receiver, but he's going to be a no for me just simply because of, of how much it's going to take to bring him in. And again, if they had other areas resolved and I knew what that looked like and I knew what the dollar totals were, I might feel differently, but I'm just kind of looking at it from the here and now standpoint. Paul. Yeah, I agree. That's too rich for me for Robbie Anderson. I think that they can go out and get kind of like a, a mid-level free agent, like a Brashad Perryman. And then if they pair him with, you know, Justin Jefferson, for example, I think that that those two, along with Devontae, another year for the Zard, hopefully you see a step forward from EQ and MBS. You know, I think that could go a long ways in turning around this Packers passing game. And just like Jason said, you know, the, the cap space, they don't have the same spending power that they did a year ago. There's other moves that I would just rather see. If they're going to spend $10, 12000000 million, $15 million on one player per year, uh, I hope it's a tackle. That's where I'm at there. And then they have other positions. 
you know, if they don't, you know, if they pay half of that for a different receiver, you could go get a defensive lineman to pair up with Kenny Clark to help against the run defense. There's just uh, with their limited, you know, limited in quote cap space this year compared to last. I just think that there's better ways that they could use that money than 15 million on Anderson, who's a nice player. But I mean, with the other needs that they have, I think there's just higher priorities for that cap space. And I'll be clear. I was down at, you know, 10, 11 mil. Uh, but as we're getting, like I said, more into that higher price range, I'm, yeah, I'm not in on that. And, um, the other bit of internal information, and I want to talk about these, uh, and that is that the Packers have not had to date any conversations with Brian Balaga and his agent. Now, granted it's March 1st and deadlines spur action. Those of you that remember Balaga's free agency four years ago, they hadn't really talked to him until the weekend before free agency started. They signed him to a deal just before, uh, the, the free agent negotiating period opened. So deadline spur action, that is possible. Um, but right now it looks like the Packers could be looking to let Brian Balaga walk. And I've been very vocal Twitter, Facebook, Packer report, Instagram, which I don't even use, you name it. Uh, I've been very vocal that I think Brian Balaga should be priority numero uno, number one for this Packers team. Um, somebody, you know, signing, somebody brought up today, I think it was Kyle fellows was talking about some options and said, Jack Conklin as a, as a possible alternative. And he basically dismissed it as unrealistic and he should, because that's a guy who's going to make damn near double what Balaga makes. I'm curious to see how this shakes out for him. Cause he's a very good player. Obviously all the issues that we know, the NFL knows good player, injury history, a little up there in age, not aging. I wouldn't say that, but a little up there in age. Okay. Um, the NFL knows that he hasn't been listed on the top 50 free agents for ESPN or the NFL network. Uh, Pete Prisco had him listed towards the bottom portion of his uh, 100 group that he does every single year. So with that in mind, I wonder what Balaga's average annual value is going to shake out to because it's almost been assumed. Oh, you can't give him $10 million. I don't know if it's going to get to that. And wow. if it doesn't, then frankly to me, it's a no brainer. Um, getting, I've said this a million times, getting cheap on the offensive line is not the place to do it, especially not with an aging quarterback. Balaga is a good player. And for those that say, oh, durability questions, he started 30 of his last 32 games. I know he's got some injury bug issues, but you know what? He found a way to suit up. 30 of the last 32. And the playoff game he missed is because he was dying of an illness. I'm exaggerating a little bit. But nonetheless, Jared Veld here played well for the two games in spot duty that they needed him to, and that is awesome. Great story. He's not Brian Balaga. And you can't afford, I don't think, because the biggest issue I have, and I've always had, is the succession plans. Can the Packers go into the draft with Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard and feel okay? Yes. Do they care about inside linebacker enough to not feel okay if they swing and miss on guys? Yeah, they do. Offensive tackle, there is no good succession plan. Jared Veld here for 16 games is not a good succession plan. Billy Turner moving to right tackle is not a good succession plan. Counting on a rookie that you draft at 30 overall that may or may not even be available is not a good succession plan. You cannot afford to do those things. So, Goody, if you're listening, call that man's agent and let's pay this dude right now. 
and let's figure out a way to get this done to get him in Green Bay for the next two seasons. Draft his successor either in this draft or the next one, and uh, we'll figure something out after that. But you cannot go into this season with your plan being Alex Light or Billy Turner or a draft pick because that's just not going to cut it. So, well, Jake, that's the, with a lot of my like at present and my qualifiers on it, the conversations we've had about other guys. Brian Bulaga has been the first and foremost in my mind in terms of like until his situation's figured out, I'm not comfortable doing a whole hell of a lot else. So I know that that's prohibitive, but yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you. He's a number one. I just don't see how it doesn't benefit the Packers to get a deal done unless it's just exorbitant dollars. And then obviously they have to be smart about it. Right. I mean, if he's going to get $15 million annually, then of course I couldn't even endorse that necessarily, but 10 that's market value, market value for a pro bowl, all pro caliber, right? Tackle again, I implore you everybody that's saying it's okay to just let this dude go, go watch the games. He exited and Alex light played in. Let me know what you think. Go watch the dude, the games Kyle Murphy played in in previous years. It's a bad idea all the way around. Paul, is there anything I haven't said? No, you hit the nail on the head. I'm right there with both of you guys. I mean, I, he's taken so much flack over the years from this fan base. He plays a not sexy position, but he plays a very, very important position, and he's done it you know, very, very well for a number of years. And even this past season, he was excellent. I mean, look at some of the edge rushers that the Packers had to go up against. Everson Griffin, Danell Hunter, Khalil Mack, Von Miller, Brandon Graham, Demarcus Lawrence. I mean, they were going up against some of the best of the best that the NFL has to offer, and he was very good this past season. Um, you've hit on all the points that I would have made. You know, for $10 million a year, I, to me, that's still a no-brainer at that amount. Um, but, yeah, I think you guys hit it wonderfully. So there's our internal stuff. The one external piece on offense that the Packers have been linked to is Austin Hooper, tight end of the Atlanta Falcons, uh, Green Bay. That's going to give some people some PTSD, I guess, with uh, in regards to free agent tight ends. That being said, Austin Hooper is a little bit different of a mold here uh, than some of the guys that they've recently signed, Dingling, McGee, and Jimmy Graham. Uh, so those two guys were aging players one of them quit on the team so i don't even know if that's necessarily fair to criticize too much uh, and the other one obviously jimmy graham it just didn't work out so graham's not going to be back but hooper might be and he's 26 years old he had a good season last year and he has experience within this offense what i said the other day was is if this comes at the expense of brian balaga i am out however uh, of the free agents that we've mentioned this is probably the guy that i would be I would have the most endorsement for. Uh, I think that there are other discussions you could have. I mean, Eric Ebron is a popular name by some people. I'm not very interested in him. He's had one good season. Uh, he's been two teams that have had him, have given up on him. Uh, one team that spent a top 10 pick on him was willing to give up on him. And then Indianapolis, who could probably use some weapons for whether it's the new quarterback they're bringing in via the draft or Tom Brady or someone of that sort. So, I'll be interested to see how that works, but he does fit the offense. He has experience in uh, Matt LaFleur's offense. So, Paul, is this a guy that you can see being a, a benefit, and does he fit with Jay Sternberger? Yeah, I think that just in general, what he would bring to the passing game would be a huge boost. Uh, I mean, in 13 games last year, he had almost 800 yards, and just over his career, he's been uh, just a super reliable 
pass catcher catching almost 78% of the balls thrown his way over the four years. So I think it would be an immediate infusion of, um, you know, some much needed talent, a little dynamic ability in that aspect. And, you know, he's not going to come in and necessarily be, you know, hand in the dirt all the time and a blocker. I'm sure LaFleur will ask him to do a little bit of that, just as he did of Jimmy Graham. But that's where Jay Sternberger can come in as well, and Robert Tanyan, assuming, you know, he's back as an exclusive rights free agent. Those two in their limit of time have shown that they're, you know, willing blockers. They're, um, you know, put their face mask in someone's chest when needed. So I think that that, the, that would be a nice combination. And then also just kind of the veteran presence. But I think – you know, in some mock drafts, we've seen tight ends, the Packers selecting tight ends. I think that they need to bring in a veteran because outside of the quarterback position, one of the hardest transitions from college to the NFL level is the tight end. I mean, you have to in line, you line up in line, you have to block like a lineman, know those assignments, technique, you have to be able to run routes and that like a receiver as well. So it's just a difficult position and for the Packers to go in relying solely on second year Jay Sternberger and I think it's third year Robert Tanyan but not a lot of playing time there and then with a rookie um, you know it could could be one of those positions that under underwhelms once again so I think that bringing in a veteran regardless of whether it's Hooper or uh, you know even if it's bringing back Mercedes Lewis or someone like that on a cheaper contract I think there's a lot of value in that but if you think about pairing Hooper with, like I said, Justin Jefferson or Jalen Rager, whoever it ends up being, someone like that, I mean, this passing game will flip a switch overnight from what it was last year. Yeah, and let's add in the, the tight ends in this draft uh, stink, for lack of a better term. There's real, I mean, if you need it, I'll put it this way. My tight end one, and I'll keep that a secret until the Cheesehead TV draft guide comes out, would be tight end five in last year's class. Now, some of that is because Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson were both really good prospects, but I also really like Jay Sternberger and I liked Irv Smith and he would be a distant tight end five from last year's class. So not a big fan of the class. That's where I think the veteran tight end ship could, could help a little bit. And like you mentioned Sternberger, I think there is, and I'm as big of a Sternberger fan as anybody. Uh, and I think that there is a little bit of an assumption that he's going to break out next season. And that may not necessarily be the case immediately. So with that in mind, Jason, I mean, what are you looking at here? What does this report say to you about anything uh, in terms of adding to the offense? Yeah, I'm with Paul. Paul, Paul said it pretty well that it, just looking at a little bit of tight end action today, in fact, in terms of prospects, that seems to be the common denominator every single year is when you read the scouting reports on these guys coming out of school, it's catch radius, a little bit of speed, power, uh, but it's always blocking. Blocking is the one area where they don't have a lot of experience. They're not asked to do that a lot in college. The spread offenses don't require a tight end to put their hand in the ground. Um, there's one – if there's one, and I'll tease this because I know we're going to talk about tight ends eventually in this class that might have a little bit of a better pedigree in terms of blocking, which is interesting given his bloodline, it's Thaddeus Moss seems to, to have, uh, at least if you read the scouting reports, it's not a glaring area of weakness in his game. But again, Jake, I think you said it. This this year's tight end class is not where you should look to find an impact player if you're looking for one at that position. And Jay Sternberger, 
ironically, came in as a pass-catching tight end last year. His injury didn't help, but when he got on the field, he was doing nothing but you know, role-playing and blocking until they got into the playoffs, and he finally catches his first ball against the Seahawks in the wild-card round, or the divisional round. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's a pretty common denominator, and I think the Hooper target, if it's true, is great. You know, get after a guy that you're going to have to pay some money to. Again, there's going to be a bidding war. Hopefully it doesn't take too, too much. They'll see that, you know, if he, if he's if he knows Green Bay is interested, hopefully he would see the value and play with a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers and having a, a, a familiar coach and Matt LaFleur kind of helping him through everything that is uh, moving to the pro game. So, yeah, I, I, I like I like it. I like the approach. Definitely go veteran for sure. Something I thought of while you were talking was before this – report surfaced from Domovsky, it was Tony Pauline of Pro Football Network said that the three teams that were going to be the most interested in Austin Hooper were the Seattle Seahawks, the Arizona Cardinals, and the Green Bay Packers. Well, Seattle's already signed Greg Olson. Now, that doesn't prohibit them from signing uh, Austin Hooper, but you would imagine that it probably lessens their need for him a little bit. I mean, Hooper's already got the experience. and Green Bay's got a lot of cards in their favor if that's a guy that they do choose to pursue. So I'll be interested to see how that goes. I think of the free agents we just mentioned, that's the guy that I'm the most interested in. Uh, and, you know, like I said, that that kind of depends on how Green Bay handles the Brian Balaga situation, obviously, as well. I, I'm very much in the camp of if they re-sign Bulaga, everything after that to me is gravy uh, because I think that there's value in the draft. I think there's... Um, but I really think there's a lot of value in just keeping your offensive line, which is a really good unit intact. Uh, you want to talk about building a team to beat the San Francisco 49ers, which some fans are talking about. The Packers aren't necessarily talking about it that way, but you want to talk about a way to do that. Uh, weakening your offensive line ain't a good start. So <laughs> let's, let's keep it there guys. Before we run out of time, the combine's over. Something fun that I did earlier with uh, Jake Morley of Packer Report was I, I allowed you to sit in the general manager's chair, and I said you can sign two big free agents. So, for example, Brian Balaga would be a big free agent, um, and then you can kind of go from there. Uh, and then pick 30 and pick 62, the first two rounds. As of right now, after the combine's over, what is your scenario Paul, and it's got to be realistic. Obviously, I can't pick Chase Young at 30. That's not that's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm not a big, quote, he's not going to be there guy, but Chase Young's not dropping to pick number 30 without a failed drug test and maybe a couple of crime shooting sprees. So, Paul, let's start with you. You can sign two guys and add them to the Packers and then your two picks in the draft. Okay, so if money's no object here, um I'll go with Jack Conklin. Oh, right well, tackle. okay. I was going to say, let's hang hang tight a little bit. Okay. Money is a oh. bit of an object. Consider what's okay. somewhat real. I, I worded that poorly. Okay. So that's my fault. Okay. I thought it was just anything goes here. I was going to, you know, Madden. Right, right, um, right. Okay. So in that scenario, I will go with Brian Balaga, Austin Hooper, at pick number 30. I will take Kenneth Murray, and then at pick 62, 
once again, I don't want to play. You won't be there. But is Denzel Mims fair? Yeah, I think he's still kind of in that range. Or Jalen Rager, too. If that, okay. That would be so, a huge haul. So I think we can go that route. <laughs> Jason, you're in the chair now. So who are your guys? Uh, free agency, it's really easy. It's Brian Bulaga and Austin Hooper. And then as far as draft goes, um, I think you can get a wide receiver later. So you pick a position that, you know, hopefully if, if he falls to 30, I go Patrick Queen. And then in round two, just because if, if I'm being realistic in round two, I think it's Peoples-Jones. Uh, I, I think he'll rise up boards, and I think it's very possible that he may not even be there when Green Bay picks uh, if they stay where they're at in the second round. So I'll stick with that. I think I think that's one of the more likely scenarios. Paul's were very, um, you know, very. If they happen, you know, we're throwing a we're throwing a pulse of the pack party. And we're doing an emergency like no pants show, <laughs> right? Right. Right. Okay. Well, I'm in the chair now, and mine is going to be a little different. We are a clean sweep for free agents, so I did not expect that. But yeah, Austin Hooper and Brian Bulaga are my two signings, so I've got that. And then it's time, guys. Offense, offense, offense. Pick number 30, I'm taking Justin Jefferson, the wide receiver from LSU, and I'm going to stick him in the slot as a big slot player where he played most of his time at LSU with the ability to learn the outside. And then at pick 62, I'm taking Jalen Rager of TCU because I still think that's a possibility with his poor combine. Maybe he falls to that spot. Add that speed threat to the outside. You can have Rager... And in four wide sets, you can have Rager and Lazard play the boundaries with Adams and Jefferson in the slot. And then when you go too tight, you can play Jay Sternberger and Austin Hooper. Let's roll, man. Figure out a way to make this thing work. Let's score some freaking points. Get this offense back to the weaponry that Aaron Rodgers and this team needs. So we are out of time, and we went way the hell over on time. So the Wisconsin Badgers won, for those of you that are watching this. So that is positive. Paul, I'm sorry if you had it paused. You looked a little surprised when I said that. So Nope, I, nope, I knew. <laughs> they did win, but that's going to do it. The Combine is over. It's almost draft time. Follow our YouTube channel. It's Pulse of the Pack. You can follow Paul on Twitter. He's at Paul underscore Brettle. You'll get baby pictures soon enough. You can follow Jason. Uh, he's at Jason Perone. You can get graybeard photos. I don't know. And then... You can follow me. I'm at Jacob Westendorf, and you'll get a ton of baby pictures from me as well. But the Combine's over. It's almost draft time. Free agency will be here March the 18th is the start of the new league year, so that's exciting. Thank you guys for listening. Let's have some fun, and go Pack Go! of the PAX Podcast.